Thank you, Jesus. You know, there's some songs you got to sing 73 miles an hour for them to have the right effect. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The songs of the church. Remain standing if you would. You don't have to stand here as long as we do, so. Take your Bibles and go with me to Genesis chapter 35. I appreciate our band and our praise team. Amen. Amen. Give them praise. That's all right. Good thanks. Genesis chapter 35, beginning at verse 1. God said unto Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel, dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. And Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. They gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all the people that were with him. And he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel, <clears throat> because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. Would you stretch your hand this direction and pray God's blessing and God's anointing over his word today. Father, we come before you today grateful for your spirit, grateful for your blood, grateful that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. As we come to the breaking of the bread of life, we pray that you would hide this vessel cleft of the rocks so that only the glory of God is experienced. Hide me behind the cross so that only the words of the master are spoken to penetrate into our hearing and to the soil of our soul. Lord, touch me spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. God, that I would be able to articulate in the way that you have laid it upon my heart. We'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for these blessings in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Pastor, the church needs spiritual rejuvenation. The church needs divine renewal. The church needs another great awakening. The church needs revival. How many times have I heard that? How many times I have said that? 
I've been in leadership training for the last eight months. My colleague from the Fairlawn Church, Pastor Marcus and I, we ride up together to Roanoke and enjoy a great time of fellowship. And we go for leadership training where we get ministry ideas and talk about ministry relevance, ministry approach, big days and great plans and programs and thinking outside of the box, technology, the effectiveness, and you name it, we've covered much and much has been very good. And I have been and continue to be challenged on how to be an effective pastor to be able to lead an impacting church. However, on Tuesday afternoon, I was solo this particular month, and on Tuesday afternoon before my training, <clears throat> I went to the Church of God Tabernacle. Now, let me see your hands if you know anything about the Church of God Tabernacle. Just raise your hand and look at me. There you go. Okay. Several of you do. Some of you don't. Right there at the 146 exit is our state office, the Hollands exit. And if you're going north on 81, before you approach the state office on the left-hand side, you'll see the tabernacle on the left-hand side. The tabernacle is a structure that has a front and a back wall and has no side walls. And those of you who have been in the Church of God any length of time know that we've had some great camp meeting services in that tabernacle. And that is a special place for me. Significant things have happened in my life. Uh, youth camp and that's where God promised me I'd have a child. I mean, there's several things that have taken place in that. I hold that place very much in high regard. A lot of times when I have a meeting, I'll check with the groundskeeper to see if it's okay, and I'll go by there and just spend a little time with God in the tabernacle by myself. I went there on Tuesday before my training that night, and God's Spirit just burned within me. The great need for the church to hunger for the things of God. To have a heartbeat of Jesus, to impact a lost and a dying world, truly for the church to experience revival. But after Tuesday, I was processing that, that encounter and that experience with the Lord. The Lord began to remind me that hundreds of years before the church even existed, there was the family. And I share with you this morning that the family, the home, the marriage needs revival, needs renewal, needs an outpouring of God's Spirit and God's presence. I want you to take the journey with me this morning with an Old Testament patriarch. And I want you to gather some observations as it relates to family revival. The first thing I want to share with you this morning is this place called Bethel. Bethel in the Hebrew means house of God. 28 years before the scripture text we read this morning, in Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22, Jacob stopped at this place on his journey, and he slept there. And while he was sleeping, God showed him a vision of a ladder with angels ascending and descending on the ladder. It was at that place, Bethel, the house of God, 
where some promises were given to Jacob that day at that place. Some of the promises at Bethel or house of God, God said, the land where you're laying will be given to you and your seed. Another promise that God gave to Jacob that day at Bethel was, I will multiply your seed upon the face of the earth. All the land that you are traveling on is going to be your posterity's land. And the seed is going to be multiplied as, the, as he would tell his grandfather Abraham, as the stars of the heaven, as the sands of the seashore. Another promise that God gave to him at Bethel, the house of God. He said his personal presence would be with him all of his days. That day in Genesis chapter 28, Bethel, house of God, became a place of vision. It also became a place of vow. It became a place of commitment, consecration. It wasn't just hearing from God about the great things God was going to do for Jacob and his family. But it was also about Jacob making a commitment to God. And so what Jacob did when those promises were handed down to him, he did the greatest thing he could do. The scripture says he built an altar unto God. Praise the Lord. In the place that means house of God, Jacob built an altar unto the Lord. And may I just stop here for a moment and sidetrack just briefly and tell you that there are many things in the church that we perceive as things of necessity. We believe good preaching and great singing is part of the church and, and padded seating and stellar furniture is part of the church and abundant Christian education space and, and of course the latest and greatest media and social platform capabilities and all of that is great but I will say without any hesitation that what designates this as the house of God is the altar, the divine meeting place with Jehovah. Can someone say amen? Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of of prayer. And if anything is ever lost out of the church, may the altar never be done away with. May prayer never be compromised. We need Bethel. We need the house of God. And I will stand flat-footed and tell you, we've got to make sure we keep the altar in the house of God. 28 years have passed now. To the scripture text that we have read, Genesis 28, when he first had his encounter with God at Bethel, and now almost three decades have gone by, and we see that there is a return to Bethel. Things had been good for Jacob. He's no longer a single man. He is a man that is married and comfortable with a very large family. He has 12 sons. He has one daughter. But trouble comes and rears its ugly head in Jacob's family. His one and only daughter, her name was Dinah. And she gets attacked and she gets raped and defiled by the prince uh, in a place called Shechem. We see that Jacob's sons, once they find out about it, they are furious to find out that someone has defiled their young sister and taken away her innocence. And so they devise this wicked plan to kill all the males of the city of Shechem, including the prince. 
And Simeon and Levi, two of Jacob's boys, they bring the plot to pass, killing all the males of the city of Shechem. And then on top of that, the sons of Jacob, at least nine or ten of them, took all the city's goods, all that Shechem had, all their bounty, all their profitability, leaving no doubt a lot of widows and children, not only without their husbands and fathers, but without any material prosperity whatsoever. And so they have committed murder, and now they have committed robbery on top of that. And Jacob the patriarch, is he's gripped with fear as he realizes that he and his family will have an ill reputation among the nations of the land. But here's what I want you to get this morning, is that after all of this tragedy takes place, God speaks to Jacob yet once again. And this is what he says to him. He says, Jacob, I want you to arise and go to Bethel. I want you to arise and go to the house of God. And I want you to dwell there. I want you to go 30 miles back to Bethel. I want you to take your family back to Bethel. I want you to go back to that ancient landmark from 28 years ago. That original altar. Dinah, your daughter, is emotionally shattered. Go back to Bethel. Levi and Simeon, your two sons, they're murderers. Go back to Bethel. The majority of your sons, the rest of your sons are, are thieves. Go back to Bethel. Jacob is thinking in his mind, I remember my Bethel experience. I remember my house of God experience. It was at Bethel that God gave me promises. It was at Bethel where I reconciled with my brother Esau when we were estranged. It was at Bethel when I made vows and commitment to God. I've got to get back to Bethel. I've got to get my family back to Bethel. My family needs revival. Go back. My family needs revival. Get back. Return. Let's get the family revival that we so desperately need. Oh, God, take us back to Bethel. Take us back to the house of God where we can repair and restore and rebuild the broken down altars in our homes and in our families and in our marriages. And God has sent me here this morning to sound the clarion call. We can have the greatest services in this church that we want to, but I'm telling you, we need revival in our families. We need revival in our marriages. We need somebody to rise up and say, we're going back to that original landmark, that ancient landmark where God and I made vows and commitments to each other. We need to go back and stir up the fire again in our family. Oh, someone say amen. Steve Nichols tells the story that one time he and his wife bought his two-year-old daughter Sarah an aquarium. One morning while Steve was at work, one of the fish in the aquarium died. And soon after that, another fish in the aquarium died. Sarah went and looked in the aquarium and she found that one of the fish had gotten caught up in one of the plastic bushes in the fish tank. Steve said, my wife called me at work and said, Sarah has something to tell you. And the mom handed the phone to the little girl. And the little girl said, Daddy, the fish died. I found it in the bushes. And me and Mommy will have a funeral in the backyard for it. Steve said from the work phone, he said, I was concerned 
But what broke me into tears was when that little toddler named Sarah said on the phone, Daddy, don't ever let me get caught in the bushes. Oh, God, help us today. Too many have allowed the altars to break down in their homes. And as a result, teens and young adults and even children are caught in the bushes. And many of them are drowning in the cesspools of this world and the cesspools of sin. I'm telling you, it's time. It's high time. It's past time to return to Bethel, to return to the house of God and rebuild the altars and cry out to God for a family revival that will affect everything about us. I'm telling you, Simeon and Levi were caught up in the bushes. Dinah was caught up in the bushes. I'm telling you, there needed to be a transformation and it needed to happen within the confines of the family unit. Oh God, let that happen in 2022. Oh God, let that happen and let it start in my home. Let it start in your homes until we come to the house of God saying, you know what? We don't have to wait for the church to catch on fire because fire has hit the home. It's in our family. It's in our altar, in the living room, in the kitchen, and we're bringing that fire with us into the house of God. Oh, how we need revival in the family again. Notice the preparation for family revival. First of all, it wasn't the women that called for the trip back to Bethel. Hello? It was Jacob. Last time I checked, The man of the home is still the head of the home. The man of the home is supposed to be the priest of the home. So it's Jacob that rises up. And he says, throw out the alien gods and idols. Take a good bath and put on clean clothes. We're all going back to Bethel where God appeared to me. When I was in trouble, (laughs) the murderers and the rape victim and the thieves, dysfunctional family if there was one. To use our modern day vernacular, they were one hot mess. First thing they did, they turned over their idols and Jacob buried them under a tree, which was a sign of repentance. Y'all still out there? Idols are gone. You know, like godly sorrow works repentance. When you repent of something, change comes to your life. When you repent of something, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. When you repent of something, old things that had you bound and addicted and enslaved and ensnared are suddenly put behind you, and you are now free in Jesus Christ. It's called genuine repentance. It's time that we put the idols under the tree. It's time that we put the idols in the past. It's time that the idols are forgotten. And I'm here to tell you, if you're going to have a revival, a spiritual awakening, it may call for you to give up some things in your life that have been more important than God in your life, it may be time to bury some idols. 
second thing they did, they took a bath and put on clean clothes. Hey, you're going out for a nice dinner with the family of five. Little Johnny's been out in the yard for the last three hours, riding his bike and playing with the dog. And little Johnny's been sweating like a stuck hog, and he comes in ranking to high heaven. Everybody else, the other four members of the family are all dressed up and clean and smelling good. Do you think for one moment any mother or father in their right mind is going to let Johnny walk out of the house and join the ranks of the showered and the deodorized and the nicely attired looking and smelling the way little Johnny does? It's not going to happen. Either mom or daddy one going to get hold of little Johnny and say, we're going to take the time and make the time for you to, to go and shower and deodorize and dress up in nice clothes and you're going to do it. Johnny may not feel like it, but Johnny's still going to do it. Because Johnny's not mom and daddy of the house. If something happens, there's something stirs up inside of me when I hear a, a mama say something about her daughter at 15 being more of her friend than her daughter. Something gets a hold of me. And it, it, it's righteous indignation that rises up. You know, be their friend when they're in their 20s and give them consultation. But I'm telling you, until the day they walk out the door, you be the parent. You be the one in charge. Johnny, you got to shower. Johnny, you got to put on some clean clothes. Johnny, you got to put on some deodorant. You've reached that age, Johnny. You got to put on some deodorant. We're going out as a family. What I'm here to preach to you is that there was not one son left behind. Dinah didn't say I'm staying behind because I'm not in the mood for it. I'm telling you all the children, all the, all the women in the family, all the children, all the grandchildren rose up because the man of God stood and said we're going back to Bethel to have an encounter with God. Sometimes mom and dad, you got to step into the kids' lives a little bit. Their social media, their music, their personal business, I promise you, you won't always have that control. But while you do, you are accountable to God for it. We're all going to church. We're all going to listen to godly music. I don't want to listen to godly music. Well, then you don't want to listen to music at all. We're all going to post positive on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. We're all. We're going to use the language of the family, and it's the right language. We go all return to Bethel. And the scripture asks the question, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who hath clean hands and a pure heart. I'm going back to Bethel and I and my family are going to be 
clean and pure. The third thing is you need to understand this again. They all set out. They all journeyed 28 miles. Took a while, but they're not looking back. They're looking ahead. They're looking forward. Verse 6 said, he and all the people with him. No one's missing. You heard, I'm sure, that a family that prays together stays together. May I just tell you that a family that prays together whips the devil together? May I tell you today, a family that prays together walks in the light together? When all that treachery and sin happened, Jacob, though he had a large family, was terrified about the nations around them. When he and the family determined to return to Bethel, suddenly all the nations began to be fearful of the family of Jacob. The terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue them. Whole cities. My God, are you getting this? Whole cities. When the, when the rape and the murders and, the, and the, I, the, the thieving, when all the stealing took place, Jacob was fearful all the cities and the nations were going to destroy his family. But when he made a commitment to return to the house of God, when he made a commitment to return to Bethel, things changed. And the cities, though numerous, recognized that Jacob and his family as they marched 28 miles back to Bethel, we're walking in the favor and the protection and the provision of Almighty God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to get that in your spirit today. We've gotten lackadaisical. And careless about prayer. As Christians, as families, as a church, a church this size up probably ought to have more than six or seven men come every Tuesday night at 6:30 for prayer if we're really sincere about revival. I'm meddling now, ain't I? I I so desperately want you and your family, you and your spouse, to have revival. I challenge you, women of God, every Wednesday morning right here, 11 a.m., to come and build an altar with your sisters. We roll along in life. 
hoping God puts his blessing and seal on our plans. And then we let our guard down because everything's going okay and we don't pray anymore. And then our family ends up in a mess like Jacob's family. We have to get to a place where we say enough is enough. We need revival. Our souls are the house of God, temple of the Holy Spirit. Our homes should be the house of God. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Our church must be the house of God. And when they got there, final observation, <clears throat> when they got back to Bethel, Jacob and all of his sons, his one daughter, his family, the women in his family, his wives, his grandchildren, when they got back to Bethel, that place that he had had an encounter with God 28 years earlier, he did something interesting. He changed the name. It was called Bethel, House of God. I like it. I like it. But he changed the name to El Bethel. What does that mean? It means God of the house of God. Mm. You say he's God. We say this is the house of God. But in too many lives, he hasn't become God of the house. Your body is the house of God. Your home is the house of God. This church is the house of God. But can you honestly say he is Lord of the house? Is he God of your body, soul, and spirit? Is he God of your home? Is he God of your church? I love you guys and gals. I didn't come to see you today, though. I love this beautiful house of God. But I didn't come to see the house of God. I came to encounter the God of the house. Genuine revival happens when Bethel, the house of God, becomes El Bethel, God of the house of God. True story. It was at a prayer conference that a young man stood and shared with the church that he had been a good and successful salesman. He was making so much money, he began to neglect God. His marriage was in trouble. 
His wife was leaving him. One day he drove away from the house and he asked God, why are these things happening to me? The Spirit of God spoke to him and said, in your house you have a living room, you have a kitchen, but you don't have a place to pray. He turned his car around and started headed back home. When he got close to his house, he noticed there was a neighbor close by that was doing some construction. He ran up to him and asked him if he could borrow some of his cinder blocks. And the neighbor said, what do you, what do you need them for? He said, I'm going to build an altar. Went to his front door. Opened the front door. His wife happened to be standing there. And she said, what in the world are you doing bringing those dirty cinder blocks in here? He said, get out of my way, woman. I'm going to build an altar. That day, he and his wife gave their hearts to Jesus. That day, their marriage was healed. He was so filled with excitement, Brother Gene, he went out driving down the road, and he saw a blind man crossing the street. He jumped out to help him, but the blind man said, I'm okay. He told him what, he did, what God had done in his life. The blind man told him, I'm okay to get across the street. I'll be fine. But I got a son across town that needs Jesus. The young man got back in his car. He drove to the address where the blind man's son was. He led him to Jesus as his Savior and Lord. That week, that salesman won 50 people to Jesus Christ. And you say, what in the world happened? I'll tell you what happened. The altar had been restored in the home. Come on, Toby. This marital strife will not go on open-ended. It will reach a terrible conclusion. This is a defining moment. A defining moment. It's by the Spirit's leading. Just a few moments, husbands. You need to take your wife by the hand and come back to Bethel and make God God of your house again. I came to this pulpit under a directive of the Holy Spirit that God is calling for some Jacobs to rise and bring their families to this altar. I would never break confidence and I operate with great discretion, but I know of at least six families and marriages that I am heavily burdened for today that are part of our church family. That unless there is a move of God, are in tremendous jeopardy. And there's probably more. You could say, you know what? For another time, if you're desperate enough, you won't worry about what anyone thinks if you want God to bring healing and revival to your family.
In just a moment, I'm going to call for all believers to come and kneel in this altar if you can, to stand and to come with the intention of praying for your families, no one else, your families. To come with a determination that God will be God of your home, God of your soul, God of your church. It's the highest calling in the ministry. I've said it publicly. I've said it where people in state, national positions could hear me. The highest calling of ministry, in my opinion, strong opinion, is to shepherd, is to pastor. I have no aspirations to do anything but. But with that heavy calling comes heavy burden. You're looking at a heavily burdened pastor. Because I can't fix the mess in your home. I can't fix the mess in your marriage. All I can do is weep with you and mourn with you, plead with God. Holy Spirit, you know who you're specifically speaking to, but I also know that you're speaking generally to many people in this room. If there are moms and dads in this room that have lost sons and daughters and lost grandchildren, this is for them as well. And so right now, Holy Spirit, draw as many as call themselves Christians to come and to say again, God, I'm not just going to be labeled a house of God, but you are going to be God of this house of God. Is there some, is there some Jacob's? Maybe your marriage is fine. Maybe your family is doing great, and you just want to strengthen your posture. I want you to stand all over this place. Every believer that will come and kneel and humble yourself and build an altar. I know a lot of times we stand and we pray, but I sense this morning God is calling us to kneel before the maker of heaven and earth. We have to fill up the aisles. We're returning. We're returning to Bethel. And today we're renaming it. <laughs> we're naming it El Bethel. God of the house of God. <laughs> Come on. Come on. God of the house of God. If you can kneel, kneel. If you can't, just stand. If you want to sit on that front row or whatever you need to do. God, you see this morning. You see. You see the brokenness. Oh, oh. oh Lord. Bring healing across this room. Bring healing across this house. Healing to shattered minds and hearts. Bring forgiveness in the family. Bring restoration in the family. Do what only you can do. We humble ourselves now, Lord. 
we stand here as couples and as families. There's single moms that are standing here today. There's not a husband. They have to be the spiritual head of their home. They need, they need such an amazing measure of grace to be able to be that spiritual lead in their home. God, give them that strength today, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We recommit to you, Lord. We recommit our souls, our homes, our church to be in houses of God. But it's not going to be houses of God in name only. Today, we're changing the name from Bethel to El Bethel. And we're saying, God, we desperately want you to be Lord of your house. I feel a constraining in my spirit right now. If you're joining hands with somebody right now, would you just lift those hands to the Lord as a sign of surrender right now? Would you do it all over this altar? Hallelujah. We lift our... We're in one kindred mind, one kindred spirit. relationship is not just physical, it is very much spiritual. Holy Spirit, have your way, have your way, have your way. Have your way. We recommit to devotions. We recommit to praying together. It's not a, nothing but a two-minute prayer before we drift off to sleep. We commit to laying hands on our children and praying for them. You will be God of our house. You will be Lord of our home. You will be Lord of our temples. You will be Lord of our church. We need revival. My God, my God. I pronounce the blessing in favor of God over every family that is recommitting to the Lord right now. May the fear of God be stricken in the hearts of those enemies that try to scorn and ridicule and tear down. May the favor and the provision and the blessing of the Lord be released over them right now. God, my God. Come on, one more time. Reach your hands up and receive it in the name of Jesus. Receive it in the name of Jesus. You're going to be God of this house. You're going to be God of this vessel. You're going to be God of my church, God of my home.
I've taken on a burden that some of you have carried for years. I've taken on a burden that some of you haven't realized yet. And that's when your child is away from the Lord. There's nothing. Some of you have carried that weight for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And this morning you even stand here and say, God, I just don't understand. Don't give up. As long as there is breath, there is hope. And there is a God in the heaven of heavens that hears every time you pray and bottles every tear. I told someone just the other day, John 5, 17, the Father and the Son are always at work. We don't understand the ways of God, but we appreciate the work of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the family.